Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the EQ Elevator podcast of 2024. I was almost going to make a 40 and slip and mention 2023, but I'm so ready for this new year and I'm excited to be back. We are starting with a solo podcast. Uh, I have an exciting list of guests lined up as well and more about that uh, later. But for now, we're going to start. I hope you don't hear my bunny scratching the door because the bunny is so in love with the living room. So he is quite bold. It's a, um, how do you call it? A long air bunny and they're usually quite stubborn. And I picked the most stubborn bunny on the planet. So he fits very well in the family because I'm quite stubborn. My son is quite stubborn. So you can only imagine for <laughs> what a household this makes. So I hope the noise won't be an issue. Coming back to today's podcast. So today is all about a quick overview on addressing one of the biggest challenges, especially those who are working on security culture, uh, security compliance, cybersecurity, and even the CEO who is managing business continuity and wants to reduce the risk of business disruption. Now, we've seen in the past years that cyber is not going anywhere. And because of the increase and both on the demand of employees who want to work remotely, so this hybrid working model perhaps is an excellent way of boosting productivity, of catering to people's need of having a higher quality of life by having more control on how and where they work. This brings also challenges and security threats. From my time at NATO, we've already dealt with this because we were working often remotely and we had classified NATO restricted up to NATO restricted networks actually on the cloud that were protected to various technology. But then obviously when the new NATO HQ came about and the, the decision makers, so the, the political committees, military committees, they also travel a lot and they needed to access even higher classifications. So then the security requirements were even more stringent, but they managed in the end. And what we often, I think, underestimate is when we begin the new year and there are these off-site strategy meetings. So the CEO or the board of directors gathers up the entire senior management team to set the course for 2024 or to adjust based on a multiple year strategy. And every department comes with their goals, uh, their desired outcomes. And when it comes to cybersecurity, even if you explain the statistics in a clear and impactful manner, you have to understand that all these other functional uh, departments or management teams have their own set of core issues that they or risks that they need to manage in order to achieve their business objectives. When you present cyber risk as an additional burden or strength of work, it just adds up to their pile. This is something else I need to do. 
Now, for example, the, for the CIO and the chief information security officer or the digital IT department, this is a no-brainer. The impact of data breaches, the urgency is well felt and understood before it even happens. Right? This is part of the preparedness phase. This is what we did in NATO. We were either being prepared to be in conflict or are in conflict because we could not afford to not be prepared. This is why there was this rigor rigorous, uh, here we go again, this year is English, uh, <laughs> it's going to be the same thing, but a rigorous exercise program with multiple stakeholders to hone in on the why. And the why in people's map of the world is more important than the why in your map of the world. Obviously, you need to have a situational awareness or a comprehensive overview on the top risks, the medium risks, and the long-term risks, so you are able to manage them. But you also then need to, especially the top risks, to translate them in what does this mean, for example, to the chief operating officer? Who is concerned with day-to-day -day operations? Who is concerned with business continuity? What does this mean for the chief financial officer? They are the one releasing budgets. Now, they have multiple demands on their resources. And even though cybersecurity is a hot topic and represents an immense risk for the business, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to release the funds because there are quite a few others risks that they need to manage. The CEO, even the CEO is quite aware of keeping the business competitive and making sure that the risk for data breach is minimal because it impacts shareholders, stakeholders, customer experience, and so on. They have a lot of risks to manage in their portfolio as well. Where do you begin? Uh, let, let, let us first start with an analogy. And I even wrote in 2016, I believe, with a former colleague, an in-depth article for the, at that time, the NATO Review magazine, um, seeing information technology as, in that time it was NATO, but NATO's nervous system. So how can you see and articulate and communicate the information technology infrastructure as your business's nervous system? When we look at our nervous system, the doctor, the hospital, the medicine is responsible in a way to help us heal when we are sick, but their, their, their responsibility is minimal. In the case they have a care, a duty of care, they give us perhaps medication, guidelines on how to better live when its nervous system is quite damaged and there is surgery involved, etc. But ultimately, you're the one who has to make it work. Without any implementation or sustainable way of living and way of developing habits, your nervous system is going to remain unhealthy. Now, we can use this analogy in IT as well. So the information technology experts, cybersecurity experts, the, the digital hub of your business is responsible for the, the connections to make sure everything works, to make sure risk is reduced, 
to make sure when there is a, a uh, inaccessibility to the system to fix it. But every person in the business accountability in using the nervous system properly, securely, and safely, the risk is just going to continue to skyrocket. And this is the case when we talk about, when we look at the hybrid working environment. And the other element is that we've seen that the regulatory landscape is just continuing to be stringent. And if you haven't listened to my podcast with Bianca Linz, who is a legal counsel and a data privacy expert as well, we've seen a lot on the uh, U.S. soil of the, the SEC regulation coming out and demanding transparency. And there's a lot of technical analysis, but we feel necessary to look at what does, how do you implement this from a human factor perspective. Same thing here. The NS2 directive is coming into force this year, which not only puts liability on IT, but on the entire management team, which also demands greater transparency. The Cyber Resiliency Act, especially for those in the manufacturing industry, but anyone in supply chain, they are going to be held responsible for large part, there are some caveats, for the full life cycle development of software. And if you don't include the user experience with the various departments from the outside as how do you reduce cyber risk or the risk for data breaches in every step, then it's going the cost not only of getting fines, but also in going into these uh, court cases and the bureaucracy is significant. And there are things you can do to reduce the risk. And this is the time of the year to set a solid foundation. Now, once you start using IT as the business nervous system, you can actually become very creative in creating the, the messages and crafting the messages you need to get buy-in from your colleagues. I will at the end explain a nice tool you can use to actually uh, manage these discussions within your team meetings or within your offsite strategy meetings, whatever it is that you are doing in the beginning, is that's the World Cafe exercise. I will go in that in a bit. But first, let me just go through the five different elevators. So the EQ elevator approach that can help you articulate and craft a cyber risk story from multiple perspectives, not only from the IT point of view, not only from the security point of view, but how does it impact the entire business from different angles. And the first, obviously, is becoming aware of your own self perspective, of your own lens. How do you see cyber risk and how uh, does it translate on some of the triggers that you have when it comes to cybersecurity risk. So in the past year, when you communicated cyber risk or when you tried to implement, what were the stumbling blocks? What did your colleagues did or did not do that actually contributed to a higher risk uh, profile when it comes to cybersecurity? The more you are aware, uh, both from an emotional awareness, so what really gets you worked up, what is your frustration, the better you can manage these emotions when you communicate and you don't achieve the desired behaviors immediately. It is a journey, but often when the, the lack of progress can 
cause bottled up emotions to from frustration like it's never going to work it's never one listening why they don't why don't they have the resources why don't i get this etc it just impacts not only your own stress levels in general but also the way you get by so that's the first point of view you need to analyze and assess how what is important uh, for you how so those are your needs how have they not been met and how would you like them to be met? The more clarity you get first in your own mind, the better you can manage the buy-in and influencing process and also manage any negative emotions. You can actually get use optimism when you communicate about cyber risk. Then you look at the second positions, which is uh, based on empathy. And this is the other person shows. Now, depending on the context, for example, so in this case, we're talking about offsite strategy meeting or strategy meeting of the beginning of the year where you amend, set the course for the year ahead when it comes to business objectives with the management teams, you need to understand their worlds. And this may take some effort or investment, if, but it doesn't have to be uh, that great, that big of an investment. Of course, it's that great and look in, understand what are the needs of the CEO, for example. What are, are his or her needs for the year ahead? What is on their portfolio? What does uh, desired outcomes look for them? Same thing for the key functions with, when to manage cyber risk is also the legal counsel, especially this year with all the regulatory changes coming up so they can come across as a barrier but often more often than not they should be your ally and partner and this requires interpersonal skills to build that partnership they can actually help you reduce the risk and increase compliance from a people perspective so not only using carrot and stick but also incentives the chief operating officer also concerned because data breaches Cyber attacks have a significant impact on day-to-day -day operations. Chief Financial Officer, this is one of you, also an important ally because of the funds that need to be released because of the cost impact, both of deciding to pay or not to pay is perhaps not within your realm of decision-making, but we've seen in past cases like the Uber 2016 data breach that they did decide to pay and started negotiating with the criminals, which got the CISO at that time in serious trouble and became the first criminalized CISO. And this is not to obviously instill fear because I don't believe in fear monitoring, but you have to be practical on the consequences and be quite aware. Transparency of communication and, and understanding how this impacts in other people's world in order to get shared responsibility for cyber. So take some time to understand your key players when it comes to achieving uh, high levels of success in, in reducing cyber risk. Who are they and what is their map of the world? Then you can use past data experience, but look at some uh, challenging situations you went through when it comes to implementing cyber as a business risk or cybersecurity as a business risk from a neutral point of view. So without your bias and without the other 
person's price. Now, what do I mean by that? It's just bringing your, so reflecting back from a place of curiosity. It's interesting that I didn't get my desired outcome when I presented X at the meeting Y with my peers and I went into resentment mode, anger mode or whatever it is. It's interesting I felt that way. It's interesting that person X also resisted to or disagreed in implementing milestone one, two, three, for example. And the more you look at it from a curiosity point of view, first what it does, it you learn to look at it from a rational perspective. So you, when we judge, it, there are emotional attachment to it. So it comes often from a place of negativity versus when we observe and when we are curious, we seek to understand. Judgment is as if you already know the outcome and you already know the justification and explaining for the behavior versus curiosity is you seek to understand more. So the third floor, third position, observer's point of view, can be quite helpful to look at the challenges you face when it comes to uh, managing cybersecurity as a business risk and getting buy-in from your colleagues as a challenge. And then you can use the fourth elevator, so the fourth position, which is a systemic perspective. So here you look at the context of the impact on the organization as a whole. Why do, why do we need to manage cyber risk as an organization as a whole? So internal stakeholders. Obviously, when we look at hybrid working environment, one of your desired outcomes is that people develop healthy habits to protect their nervous system. In this case, the business's nervous system, the information technology. So here you need to work closely with technology department, human resources, even get behavioral scientists or the, the training and development programs that are already in place don't necessarily add an additional training program, but include cyber hygiene habits and behavioral within these trainings. So for example, what is one of the popular training people in the organization love to do? From my experience, it's always related to stress management, communication skills, presentation skills, you know, team building, for example, anything they can connect and that will increase their well-being. And when you use scenarios, which is a great way of promoting immersive experiences to get people to experience and learn in a safe environment, you can also uh, include scenarios that have data breaches in there. Sometimes it may be predominant, other times it will be more subtle. But the more you use these scenarios within the training and development programs that already exist, the less it will be seen as a burden and the more cybersecurity training, awareness training will be perceived as normal. And this is what you want. You want to be uh, that cybersecurity is perceived of as a no longer this black box or like this technical paradox or we don't want to deal with it because we don't know what it is. But you want it to see, ah, okay, I know as part of when I give a presentation online, I make sure that I uh, have cleaned up my computer, I make sure that all the backup is installed, that, the, that I am connected to a proper VPN network, that I don't have anything in my background. These are subtle things, but can contribute quite a lot in building uh, cyber hygiene. 
And then the last uh, position, so the fifth floor, you want to look ahead. So even if you are often, especially when you enter quarter three, because often what happens, you have these meetings, everyone in the beginning is hakuna matata, you have everyone's maybe 80% buy-in, you're excited, motivated, everyone, but life goes on and then people start fighting fires and then everything, or like 80% of the actions you agreed on remain open or red, they are not completed. People don't, you know, they don't have time or they're stressed or they're dealing with something else or they're fighting fires. So the implementation of your cybersecurity awareness program or managing cybersecurity as risk becomes even more of a challenge because everyone agrees in the boardroom, but then when they go ahead with their day-to-day, you don't see any tangible progress long-term. And this is because often we forget that there is conscious mind. So 5% of our mind is conscious, which I'm using my conscious mind now. I'm playing tension on how I speak in the microphone and I make minimal grammatical errors, etc. But 95% of our, our mind is subconscious. And this is where our habits and our way of working and life and how we relate, etc. So often it's like autopilot, which is important because we need our energy to manage our day-to-day life. I think one of the most controversial statements, but that has been proven by research, is your brain is not primarily designed to think. It's designed to survive. So when we receive, for example, anything as a, perceive anything as a burden or stressful, we're going to take up a lot of energy to deal with it. And this is why people prefer to stay in their comfort zone and not take up anything else. So you need to find a way to include cybersecurity awareness so you can manage it as a risk in the day-to-day life of people, in their day-to-day habits. So it's not only, it doesn't end in the meeting room. It doesn't end in the boardroom. It starts there, for example. It continues in the coffee conversations. It continues on weekly newsletters. It continues on how information management knowledge practices. It continues when they travel. It continues in weekly meetings. It continues in town halls. It continues in existing learning and development programs. It's a journey. You want to ingrain it, right? You want to build a strong, healthy nervous system for the business. Emotional intelligence, what does it do? It helps you implement this. It helps you implement your strategy. It helps you help your uh, colleagues and the team to manage the challenges they face, overcome it, and make it a sustainable journey. Now, I'm going to wrap up now with a great framework you can use. It's a really cool exercise and framework and you can be as creative as you want. But basically what it does is you look, for example, at the challenge of multi-factor authentication. Still, not everyone installs multi-factor authentication. Still, there is quite some resistance and still a lot of businesses are getting hacked. Even the SEC official Twitter account got hacked and there was also a lack of multi-factor authentication involved. So it's, it still you know, blows my mind that this isn't the thing we discuss because it should be mandatory. It requires perhaps a, a little bit of energy management and effort in the beginning, but once you have adopted MFA as a habit, it secures your business to the next level. 
But it's a challenge because not everyone implements it. Now you can choose to complain and use carrot and stick, or you can choose to look at this challenge from multiple perspectives, so from the CEO's perspective, from the shareholders, the customers. Customers also present a great risk. How you communicate this with them because you want to have an epic customer experience. And I grew up with customer as king, but in the digital age, customers should be a partner and not king because if the king messes up, then you are going to go out of business. So you need a partnership in this case. And you can have all these different perspectives and then you can wrote, you can discuss, for example, in breakout groups. So you can have 15 minutes or 20 minutes or even half an hour and then you rotate. So everyone gets to see the same challenge through different perspectives, except for one person who facilitates and even takes the highlights and notes. And at the end, when you did all the rounds, then you, the facilitator presents the, the, the findings. And then you have one challenges, one challenge with multiple points of view. And that is then your basis to develop a cyber risk strategy that will be more reflective of reality and that can serve as a base, like starting point for you to implement this as a transformative program or change management program included in existing change management program. So I hope this was helpful and will motivate you to approach cybersecurity risk management, especially cybersecurity awareness from a fun, creative, human factor point of view and set the foundation immediately at the start of the year. I look forward to the following episodes. I'm going to have a social engineer behavioral scientist and a social engineer master himself as well soon in on the podcast. I'm going to have someone who works in the space industry and we don't necessarily think of space as something that's very close, but if you think about satellite and the internet connections and the cyber risk that is currently going on, it's quite important to take that into account and uh, many more exciting episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'd love for you to leave a review because otherwise uh, no one will find the EQ elevator and my mission is to enlighten and add value to as many business leaders, especially those who are responsible for security, culture, cyber, and business risks in the digital age and to elevate leadership and address these digital challenges head on. Thank you, and I look forward to the next ones. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com you'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.